Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, joined today by Pete DiMeo. Hey, everybody. Pete, you're going to be excited because we're talking about the tipping point. And I know that you may get excited because you're one of those folks that used to go cow tipping. But that is not the kind of tipping we're talking about. I'm excited because the weather is finally starting to tip towards spring. It's like 80 degrees right now. Tippage will be the oh, theme. Oh, but it's going to cool down again. Yeah, but I get so excited with springtime. I get so excited. You just can't hide it? I can't hide it. <laughs> and Melissa's here. Are you here. about to lose control and you think you like it? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I got so excited it was springtime, I wet my plants. <laughs> oh. oh. Hey, Melissa, you're hey, here too. I'm alive and kicking today. Good. So far. Okay. And Phil, you alive equally? Oh, I think so. You've had a busy week, buddy. I have. I have. You survived. And what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. So the saying Says goes. Kanye? I, I think probably a lot of people. I don't think Kanye was the, the first person to say that. No, to be it wasn't fair. him. He didn't, he didn't make that As up. As much of an inspiration he is for all of us, I don't think he inspired that particular phrase. We're going to be talking today about the second mobile tipping point. Mobile, 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 or mobile. Mobile. Is, is how I used to say it before you guys broke my accent. Uh, but before we do, let's get into the newsies, Pete. All right. So this one is a little bit of a callback to episode 76. And this is on IT News, not a normal place we get our hotel news from. But it says Webjet signs travel agencies onto the blockchain. And what this is about, and we, and we talked about how back a couple episodes ago, how blockchain is going to be transparent to the customers in many cases. And this is a great example of that. So this uh, Webjet is an Australian travel agent company, and they have been working with Microsoft to develop a blockchain for travel agents. And what it does is it helps where you may have one travel agent that books a stay. That goes through multiple travel agents before it finally gets to the actual hotelier that facilitates the, the transaction or the stay. And what this blockchain does is ensure that they don't have any need for manual corrections of reservations. They don't need to, you know, they don't have any issues where, you know, some may lose a reservation and may not be entered incorrectly or whatever it might be. And what they're finding is so far it's working very well to take a lot of the middlemen out of a travel agent to a hotelier. It's only starting now, but it's just a perfect example of where the blockchain is going to start changing how travel works even if we don't even see it for ourselves. Yeah, so go back two episodes and, and listen to where we talked about blockchain. And, and this is, you're right, this is exactly what we said, right, Pete? Which is, it's going to be invisible, uh, but it's going to disintermediate certain things, right? It's it's a replacement for a ledger or a replacement for a trusted intermediary. So this is exactly how we predicted this is going to be applied, and it, it seems to be taking its shape as well. Way to go, guys. Look what you did. You made them do it. Yeah, they probably listened to this podcast. And I mean, it was we published that two weeks ago. So they probably knocked this bad boy out in the last week yeah. or so and just rolled Absolutely. it out. Absolutely. But to well be done. fair, they have been working on this since 2016. <laughs> well, then the only explanation they is... They kind of sat that, on it for two years. No, they must have had a time machine, listened Clear. to our podcast two weeks ago, jumped in their DeLorean, and then jumped back. It was like back. that guy, Noah, that says he's come back from the year 2030. I don't know if you guys have heard that. And he passed the lie detector that he says he's from the future. This is really happening this in the really real world? Yeah. Really? Was that the guy who bet on sports? 
No, no, no. This is just a. Or no, no that, was, that was that was uh, that was that was stock market. I'm sorry. That yeah, this was is just some delusional to the person too. who, thank you, you know, basically came out saying that I am from ni- uh, 2030, and I've come back in time to to warn you about global warming and this and this. And he passed a lie detector test that he's from the future. All right. So ask him who won something this year that hasn't happened yet. Well, he, nobody's asked him the most important question. He said at the time he was 50 when he came back. Where is 30-year-old, you know, this guy? That's just true. Go, yeah, just show us where you are. You only came back. Yeah, so you, know, you would know where years. you were, man. Or 12 years, I'm sorry. He's on a spaceship. That's why he can't. <laughs> yeah. I don't He's going to create a paradox. Yeah, I don't want to start peeling that onion. Yeah, time travel, it's really, really messes with my head. Yeah, it's for a different podcast. <laughs> really? I feel like we can go off on tangents on this show. Okay. <laughs> You, you travel to on spend time, time with your family. Ah, bring oh. it back. All right, what's the next newsy? Newsical. I got a newsy. Um, so Google just started something new. I know you're all used to uh, people also search for at the bottom of your search results. Well, if they scroll down that if low. If they scroll down. Yeah, that I'm always far. clicked off by that point. <laughs> Good point. But I'm aware it's there. All right. So at the bottom of your normal search results, you'll see what people also search for who search for your query. Um, now Google's trying something new. So if you search for something, click onto a website, don't find what you want, and click back to Google. They do this little drop down on the link you just clicked on that shows a bunch of queries that people also search for. So kind of yeah. kind of changing the search results again. <laughs> again, <laughs> unlike Google. Right? <laughs> but what's interesting about this is this is the first time I've seen them really change the, the SERP in real time based on yeah. what you've done, mm-hmm. or yeah. based on your behavior, right? So we, we know that Google is very, um, has been monitoring what we call pogo sticking for a long time, where someone clicks on a website, doesn't necessarily find what they were looking for and bounces back to Google. Right. We know that as a, you know, that's a negative ranking. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's part of the rank brain algorithm, the the AI piece of Google, right? We know that that's been a a negative signal for a long time and you want to do everything you can to prevent that when someone comes to your site, which is why so many of these sites paginate content. Like when they say top 10, whatever it is, number one, number two, number three on different pages to keep people clicking through your site versus having all the content, which I hate. And Google should never, ever do anything that makes people do that more. But this is the first time where Google's really saying, I'm going to pay attention to this and show you something different. And it's really cool how they actually execute it because it's when you hit back, it comes back to the same thing you saw, but then all of a sudden this thing slides down. So mm-hmm. it's like animated. So you, you pay attention to it. So it's really drawing your eyes and it's going to draw clicks. Um, like anything with Google, it could be gone tomorrow. They are only testing it. And, and if at the end of the day, it makes them less money or impacts the, the consumer adversely, it'll probably disappear. But for right now, it's something to pay, pay attention to. From a tactical standpoint, there's something you can do here, right? Look at what those suggested searches are and go build content around it. And we found that they do match the suggested searches in the search bar, but not necessarily at the bottom of the page. Isn't that what we discovered yeah, yesterday? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when you start typing in the search bar and, and there's a drop down with suggest, that whatever those top five are in order are usually what it's saying people also search for when you come back to the SERP. But that does not match, like you said, at the very bottom. Sometimes there's slight variations in pluralization or order or something like that. So, um, but, but, it's more data that you can look at knowing that Google 
is, is drawing correlations between specific keywords, that's great for you to leverage as you're building out your content on your website. I just love it from a user perspective that clearly that's what Google has in mind. Like I clicked on this link. I really didn't find what I'm looking for. I came back and, oh, maybe you should try this different version of this keyword and see what comes up for you. I love it. Yeah, but it, it's weird though because they're doing it straight away, right? So yeah. you might click on, and we already know that the number one organic listing is like 10th thing on the page now. So this isn't right. going to happen if you click on a paid ad or GHA or whatever it is. So you get down to the organic listing, click on the first natural listing, click on it, come back. Now they're trying to send you to a different SERP. So this automatically means that number two and below position are less valuable, right? right? They're getting pushed down even more and it it makes number one position critical Mm -hmm. for a lot of your target keywords. And or you've got to have even more compelling title tags and meta descriptions because you could argue that sometimes number two could get as many clicks as number one if it's a more compelling, you know, well-written copy but yeah if you're below the top three or four now i think you're going to see a drop in traffic immediately my seo brain went to all right well let's find out what are our top search terms find out what the suggest is for it and we need to optimize for those too i mean it's it's an opportunity right in front of your face don't Mm -hmm. don't let someone you know go back to the SERP result click on one of those people also search for and then not find you next time Mm -hmm. Make sure you're there. Yeah, and think about this from Google's perspective. It's it's pretty smart, right? Because now they know that the further someone goes down on, on the actual page, the less monetization there is. So it's in Google's interest to get people to go to another SERP hmm. with more paid stuff at the top, right? They're still giving the consumer selection. They're still giving right. them variation on... But now they're getting served potentially a whole new set of ads. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. From Google's perspective, this is, to me, as I don't know that they necessarily have the get, the guest or the searcher's best interest at heart. This, to me, is another way to increase the revenue per visitor to the search engine. Yeah, but also, so if I am, if I'm Google and I see someone does a search for you know, say hotels in Chicago, they find a result, they click on it, they go back, they see the, what people also search for. And then they click on one of those and then you choose the site you're going to stay on. I mean, to me, that really starts saying this site is absolutely better than this site in terms of. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's helping them with their algorithm to say, oh, this is what they really meant. It's like, no, no matter what that person typed in, I know that the true result that they wanted based on their length of time on the new site was I need to start serving that more. So their machine learning piece is going to jump, short circuit that, right? So theoretically, what that's going to mean is if you're ranking for a derivative of the big keyword, you could could take advantage of this, right? Because if someone searches for hotels in Chicago and they say, you may have wanted to search for hotels in Chicago with some kind of caveat, and then they click on you and they end up booking. Now, is Google's machine learning going to be smart enough to say, okay, when someone initially searches for hotels in Chicago, that was the result they right. ended up with. Are they going to bring that into the original search query results now? That was think? my, my uh, point. Yeah. Was I think gets, that they will. From a black hat perspective, on smaller search terms, can you just go search for your competitor go to their site, leave, and then choose other related searches, go to your property and stay on that, that site. That is click fraud, Pete. Yeah, that would that would well, be click fraud is for PPC. Pete. Shh. <laughs> 
I think you'd this need. Natural I think you need more than one person to do that. You, uh, you don't think I'm gonna? you gotta employ multiple people across the country. You could go to Mechanical Turk and, and yeah. pay people to do it. I'm sure. Um, anonymously. But you didn't hear that here. Yeah. I'm just saying that that is something that could happen. We do it not is. condone yeah. these activities. Yeah. Anytime. Do not you, try this at home. Yeah. Anytime you try You're to try gain this at Google, home and let us know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anytime you try to gain Google, you end up getting screwed down the road Absolutely. somewhere you, you can never beat them in the long long term you might win short term but they're we've always we've never seen anyone. where any type of even black or even gray hat techniques work long term mm-hmm. you you'll get a bump and then you just get beat down yeah and and the the penalty long term it way outweighs the little benefit you got in the short term don't try to treat it's the system years. the penalty is yeah. it, it, it shuts your business yeah. down yeah. could be so, years just focus on what Google's trying to do, right? Which is match the guests' intent or the searcher's intent with the best content they can. If you have the best content, the best resource, the best utility, the best value for that guest, you're going to rank well. So that was a good find. Um, you know what's interesting, Phil, is I think you and David saw this in the wild before anyone had written about it. We yeah, that was... Uh... That was actually David called me into his office, said, hey, have you seen this? And I was like, what is this? Yeah. We start digging through it, trying to figure out how it's working. And then, t- you know, today we see it on Search Engine Land. Yeah, we should have written a blog, man. We, we could have broke have. that news. But oh, well. Oh, Search Engine Journal. Excuse me. Yeah. So we'll have links to both those articles in the show notes. So let's jump into our topic. So we're talking about the second mobile tipping point. And, and before we do that, um, Critio puts out a lot of good data. And they did a, um, what was the name of this study they did? It was like the, the winter report or the something. The Travel Flash Report. Travel Flash Report for the winter 2018. Was, was it winter 2018? That's what it okay. says. I always, you know what's when, weird? I always think of winter as like. Starting the year before. Right. Because yeah. it does. Yeah. But, it okay. really doesn't. It starts like right around Christmas. December 21st. December is yeah. the year before. But I always think but of like, by the time it's November, it's te- in my mind, it's technically winter. It, it depends where you live, I guess. It's different for different areas. But um, anyway, n- neither here nor there, right? <laughs> so Critio put out this uh, report, and, and it was a big focus on mobile data in the travel industry. And big caveat to this, that, that when they say travel, you know, they're not just talking about hotels. They're talking about cruise lines. They're talking about Flights. airlines, OTAs. There's, there's a there's a lot of different things that maybe are going to behave differently than a traditional hotel or vacation rental, which is our key audience, right? But I still think it's compelling in a lot of ways. So do you, let's go through. We'll put a link to the full um, report, but there were four or five things that we felt were kind of stand out in the report. Yeah, I mean, the first one that I see is 45% of OTA bookings are on mobile devices. Now, that does not include the app side, and it's versus just 16% of bookings are mobile from a supplier perspective, a.k.a. the hotelier. When I first read that slide, it immediately said, oh, well, that makes sense to me because so many people have these OTA apps. And then I read the fine print, and I was like, that's not including app data, which that kind of blew my mind. Yeah, that's that's mobile phones and tablets combined and and big caveat tablets a very small percentage but yeah it's it's still a big disparity right between hoteliers and otas the the fact that otas are getting 45 percent of people booking on a mobile phone they're very close to the second tipping point which we'll talk about in a minute whereas the majority of hotels are way off so why why do you guys think that is I think a lot of it probably has to do with the authority of 
the OTA, people know a TripAdvisor and an Expedia, a Booking.com. They feel comfortable doing it. We've, we've talked about that before. I think that probably plays a big role in it. Yeah. And most hotel booking processes suck on mobile devices. <laughs> True. I'm going to throw that we've, out. We've talked about that, too. <laughs> yes, they do. So, I mean, and we, we said this you know, before we rolled out the new version of our booking engine guest desk, but we had always had that assumption that people like to plan or they, they like to shop on a mobile device, but when they're ready to book, they're actually going to book on a desktop. Which well, that was true for so long. It, w- it was somewhat true, but was it? Just I mean, the fact the, that we just made that up. In yeah, our the head. behavior really... was true. The behavior was true, but I don't. I don't think we rationalized it the right way. Yeah. I think the reason was we were wrong. Yeah, I mean, it goes counterintuitive to make it easy for somebody. Yeah, nobody wants to say, "Well, I'm going to start on this device and then go to another device to book." If you can make it Amazon one swipe, you've got it easy then I think you would see the hoteliers having that same type of performance. Yeah, I agree. I think OTAs hands down have a better mousetrap. You know, we talk a lot about friction on this show, and and I'm going to be talking next week at the HSMAI um, Digital Strategy Conference in New York and about the second mobile tipping point. And friction's a big part of that, right? If, if we don't have a good booking experience, then people are less likely to book on mobile. So... I think there's an opportunity here, I think, is the big take-home, right? If there's this big disparity, OTAs are 45%, the the suppliers are at 16%, that means there's a lot of things we can do to improve that. Even even if you don't get to 45%, even if you double it and get to 32%, that's a big impact on your bottom line. So everyone needs to adopt this mobile-first mentality, and, and they can take advantage of the fact that the consumer is willing to book on mobile. This data proves it. I mean, more than they're willing to, they want to. The yeah. reason they're not booking with you is you made it too hard. So they went to the OTA and the OTA got one out of every two bookings on a mobile device. Yeah. So, but number two, here's a big key takeaways. 30% of bookings were preceded by a click from another device. Yeah, and this was across OTAs and suppliers, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole thing. So this, I, I would imagine, and they didn't break this out, would skew more on the supplier side, right? But yeah. for the reasons we just said, which is people are, are doing their research on a mobile, realizing that the um, booking process sucks, and then having to go. They're being forced to go to their second device. Yeah, I think to an extent. I, there's definitely a push because the experience is not what it should be from a mobile perspective. But it's also... Any type of travel, just not hotel, but it's flights, whatever. I know I always have done that same search multiple times. The first time I do it, I never seem to book. Yeah, they say, they say it's over about eight or nine sessions is right. the average, right? It for, for hotels anyway, where people are going to, over a 30 to 60 day window, they're going to do eight to mm-hmm. nine different sessions before they make a decision yeah. for for a large investment, you know, short term, last minute stuff is different. But for for vacation, say, that's typically mm-hmm. what it is. I, I honestly, I think that thirty percent numbers kind of s- seems small to me. I would think it'd be much higher of people looking at multiple devices. Well, it's it's smaller t- today than it was a year ago, certainly. Yeah. You know, because mobile is becoming more prevalent. Mm-hmm. It's becoming our default device. All right, what's next? So the next one up is up to eighty percent of last minute bookings. Or on, you guessed it, mobile. That's insane in the membrane, dude. That's craziness. Yeah, and they broke this one down by channel, right? So when we say up to 80%, that was primarily on OTAs. But, I mean, 
it makes sense, right? When you're making a last minute decision, you don't spend as much time researching. Yeah, doing the mm-hmm. research. Make, you know, you're not really putting in the time to look at all the factors. You're just kind of making a quick decision. OTAs have made that really easy and frictionless. So last minute bookings, it makes sense. Excuse that. Also, way. I mean, how many people have a desktop or a laptop with them? I mean, I, I'm going to pull out my phone if I'm making a last minute booking. It just makes more sense to me. I'm not, Certainly more convenient yes, to exactly. wherever you are at that moment. Oh, it's last minute. I need a hotel room right now. I'm going right. to pull out the phone and just and just get it done. There's, I'm not going to dig th- dig through my computer to, to make it happen. Yeah, and you know, to me, this is a big stat. Maybe the biggest stat from this whole report because this tells me if done right, if mobile is done right, this is the potential, right? This is what we should all be striving to. I, I don't think it's ever going to be 100% on mobile, right? But if we know that last-minute bookings could be as high as 80%, we should be striving to that for not just last-minute bookings, but for all bookings. The, our phones, think about how we use our phone for everything. Think about how it's replaced so many things that we used to do on a desktop, right? How many people use, I mean, sure, at work, maybe people are doing Facebook and stuff, but the majority of people are going to use their phone for Facebook. They're going to use their phone for checking their email, certainly when they're not in office. GPS. Yeah, for for. Whatever it is, any kind of research. I consume most of my news now via RSS in on my phone, you know. So your phone is becoming the default device for purchasing. I mean, Pete, you said for um, Christmas this year, you buy a lot on Amazon, right? Yeah, most of, all of it was bought on our phones. Right. So it, it's with us 24-7. It's concur- it, it, it continues, right? If I if I'm at work and I've got my laptop and I'm doing some research, and then I go home, then I've got to go open my bag, open my laptop, switch it on, which is a Mac, so you just open it and it switches on. But then pull up the browser, go to the site. That takes longer than me just pulling mm-hmm. up the Amazon app and actually making the purchase. You know, it would be interesting to look at, and I, I want to do this for some of our clients, but look at your your booking window. You know, all those bookings that are considered last minute. What percentage of those bookings are OTAs versus which percentage of those bookings are direct bookings? And how does that compare to, you know, bookings two, three, four weeks out, six months out? You know, are are individual hotels losing the booking game for that last minute guest? And if you look, there's a lot of people who are those last minute guests. Yeah, Yeah. it's surprising to me how how few properties really analyze the patterns between what bookings are getting from OTAs versus direct through the website and what, what the booking windows it are for that or the length of stay or whatever it is, right? But you should absolutely be looking at that data forward, backwards, and crossways and sideways because it, it can tell you an interesting story. And if you find that OTAs are beating you at a specific group, maybe it's the last minute traveler for two nights or one night or whatever, Figure out why and try to combat that. What is it that the OTAs are doing that you're not doing? Is it a rate thing? Is it is it a convenience thing? Is it that they're reassuring? You know, what what is it they're doing and how can I do it better than they do? Next one. On to number four. Apps account for forty one percent of last minute traffic. Apps are a big deal, man. And and I, I don't get why there's a resistance to apps. There's still, you know, we we Full disclosure, we have an app product, right? It's called Guest Express. It's a phenomenal product for independent hotels that want to provide the same convenience that the chains provide in terms of keyless entry and mobile check-in and all that stuff. 
for the clients that have it, and we've got lots and lots of clients that are using this product now, it does phenomenally from a, a utility perspective for, for the on-site experience. But it's also doing something we did not expect it to do, which is it's generating future bookings. You know, in some cases, I mean, it's tens of thousands of dollars a month are coming in through the mobile app, which we we just didn't anticipate that. You yet. build it, say, hey, we have a booking engine. Let's put it in the app. It only makes sense to do it. It's there if someone wants it. And seeing that you had this amazing return on investment through direct bookings on the app, when we right. were seeing, we we're expecting great return and we get one on the additional services, late checkout, express check-in, all this kind of good stuff that works. But then you have this icing on the cake is you have a very closed environment with an app. With an app. Right. They're not shopping around they're booking at your property yeah. and most of them are return visitors then right yeah for yeah. sure exactly and hilton came out last year and said that 20 percent of all their online bookings now are through the app right. which is mm -hmm. crazy right so apps are a big deal from a booking perspective but it's interesting that again in here it's saying 45 percent of of last minute traffic is it's on the app, app, right? Because again, apps are convenient. You don't have to go to the You URL. don't even have to go find the website. Right. Mm -hmm. You you just pull it up on your phone. Chances are the app already remembers your credit card information. Right. You know, if you have an Expedia app or something like that, it's literally select a hotel and swipe. And mm -hmm. Marriott app is, I just booked a hotel last weekend. And um, I actually ended up using the wrong credit card because I forgot that which card was associated with my account. And I said book this room thinking it was going to go to a purchase page where I'd have to enter my credit card. But no, it just used whatever the last card I was. So it's like, it was almost too convenient for me. I ended up being, eh, it's fine. It's only a couple hundred bucks. But the point is they make it super, super frictionless on the apps. You should get an app if you don't have one. And download apps. They're fun. <laughs> I like bird. to eat my apps. All right, well, moving, take. <laughs> moving on to number five. And this is the kind of last takeaway we have from, from this one is tablets account for approximately 6% of total bookings. Womp womp. And declining. Declining every day we see it. Traffic and bookings on the decline. I wonder how that just correlates to regular tablet usage in general. When I see that number, oh, it's I, like, who, who I uses I have stopped using, anymore? even I have stopped using my iPad. I'm like, I just, it's always dead and I, I've got a phone. Yeah, yeah. Phone, phones have become better. I mean, screens are larger, obviously, but yeah. I felt like it was a transitionary thing that was yes. needed at the time. Schools still use them. Like, my kids mm -hmm. still use yeah, them. and, and um, You know, I don't I don't think that the concept of a tablet is completely dead. Uh, you know, if I had to be a betting well, man... School children aren't booking hotel rooms. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> but, but I think, you know, the, the concept of a touch screen, like, if you look at most Windows-based machines now, they're all touch screen. Right. And, and mo most of them are tablet laptop hybrids i think it's inevitable that the apple are going to go in that direction eventually if they can get around patent laws or whatever's preventing them from doing it but yeah it's it's it just seems like tablets are unnecessary in today's world see our tablet we have a couple tablets and my wife's tablet is basically the cooking tablet it has recipes that and makes whatnot, a and, lot of sense you know she'll take it and she'll prop it up on the counter yeah and and use that for her recipes and stuff and it a phone really wouldn't replace that because sure. you just want to be able to glance at it and see a recipe. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, short of that, it kind of just sits there. Yeah, You know what's replaced my tablet? My Echo Show. Because mm -hmm. I do the same thing with recipes and stuff. I use the show now yeah. to do that. So, yeah. I, I, honestly, 
This is sad. I don't even know where my iPad is. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I have no idea. I can't tell you how much I've been using my voice search stuff because we have the Google Home and now we have the, the Echo as well. It's, mm-hmm. uh, Wait a minute. You have, you have both? Yeah, we have both. That's, it's like <laughs> a divided household. Yeah. It's like a Clemson, Carolina kind hey, of Hey, Wiretap, listen to me in every room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really don't care about the NSA listening mm-hmm. to you. I got my phone on me all the time. NSA is already listening. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I'm over it. Yeah. Does one device get mad when you call it by the other ones? No. <laughs> and I really I really wanted to set up the... Uh, the that uh, make them talk back the and forth and yeah. infinitely. Yeah, we haven't done that yet. So we, do, are they happen. just? They're in different rooms. I'm assuming. No, they're in the <laughs> same room. <laughs> they're both in my kitchen we living room. What the hell? Use Google Home for asking questions. Exactly. And use Alexa Thank you. For the you timer. nailed it. No, I <laughs> no, use I use. It. I still use Google for the timer because I say, okay, Google, but. Or do you use the, the Alexa like as a it's the ordering for the... it's the ordering thing when we need the new things we say okay. get this and oh. everything else oh, so I you use actually Google use for. it to order stuff on Amazon yeah. he didn't have kids yeah yeah, yeah. You, you can't you have can't that do that with yeah. kids because they'll order all kinds okay. of stuff someone tell me it's my like wife. not getting the um the Amazon tap stuff is that what they call oh, the, the buttons? button oh, thing yeah. um, is that what it's called the Amazon dash dash that's right I thought it was wrong. But yeah, your kids will just like keep hitting that sucker if you have them. Yeah. And you end up with like 700 pounds of Tide Pods or something. Once, oh Jesus, they'll eat them all. <laughs> <laughs> no, one, one of those isn't eventually going to go upstairs, but we're just moving in. So give me a break. Yeah, you did just become an adult and get your own house. Just congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. But I, I'm in an exclusive Echo house and I use it more and more and more every day for different things. And I, I you know, to start with just timers and music, but I, I find that I'm consuming me- oh, media on it now. That's right. We do use it from it now and stuff like that. Yeah. So. All right. So that that was the, the big takeaways for us from the Critio report. Again, we'll put the uh, download link on the, the show notes, which you can get at fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 78. But we also wanted to talk, like I said at the beginning of the show, about the second mobile tipping point, which we're really, really close to in some regards. And, and you know, it even said in the CREA report that, you know, OTA is 45% a mobile. So before we get kind of get into that, Melissa, you want to kind of shed a light on what when we say second mobile tipping point? Some people are probably sitting there like, what, what did I miss sure. the first mobile tipping point? What are we talking about? You here? did miss the mobile yeah, tipping point. Yeah, you did. First one. We at Fuel collectively actually think that there are going to be three mobile tipping points. So the first one we talk about is traffic. And for the majority of our clients, we've already hit that tipping point for traffic. Most of our clients have hit 50% of traffic on their website coming in from a mobile device. The second mobile tipping point is bookings. And for bookings, we're far behind, but we do have a couple of clients that have had a few months sporadically where they have reached the mobile tipping point and have more than 50% of bookings on a mobile device. And that was summertime when yes. there was a lot of last minute bookings, yes. which goes back to what the Critio report said. Most of our other clients are more in the 20 to 30-ish percent though at this point. Mm-hmm. And the third tipping point is revenue. Revenue seems to be further behind as a percentage than bookings because, well, you need more of it. So, <laughs> and the Creo report also says that as well as where, you know, the larger bookings are, you know, more likely made on a, a desktop. Yeah, which you know, it's it's either a longest longest stay if it's further out. It makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Short, sh- close in, shorter stays are more likely to skew mobile than long term 
planned out vacations. Yep. Makes sense. So we're predicting that for the majority of hotels out there that our second mobile tipping point is going to be kind of in 2020-ish. Yeah. I mean, it, we took a cross-section of what, you know, 40, 50 properties that yeah. we do. A lot of them are in resort destinations. That's, that seems to be a you know a key focus here at Fuel. We, we do a lot of work with resort destination kind of properties. And, um, yeah, that cross-section, it, it is a little way. But, you know, the first tipping point was 2016. So that, that's, that's been a couple of years since they hit the traffic tipping point. But it does seem like rev, uh, bookings, second one, is probably going to be middle of 2020 if it's a linear you know, line. If right. it, it stays in a linear fashion. We're projecting out based on the trend over the last couple of years. Right. However. 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 What we have noticed is that lower ADR properties, it's going to happen way earlier. What? Yeah. Yes. And why do you think that is? Well, before we get to that, how earlier do we think that is? We, we, my data says that we project that for some of our low ADR clients could be as early as 2018, December of this year. Yeah. So those are the properties that we've seen hit it a couple of months, but we feel like by December of 2018, so within the next 12 months, um, we are going to see that they are going to have the majority of their bookings consistently, majority of their bookings are going to be coming from a mobile phone versus a desktop. Followed closely by the third tipping point of revenue revenue following probably early 2019. Yeah, which we we feel like middle of January 2019, we're going to see at least a handful of our clients are going to be getting more revenue from mobile phones than from desktop. And to be fair, this is probably an outlier from the industry. And we definitely, not all our clients are seeing this, but we have worked really hard on some of these clients to try to maximize mobile bookings. Like we really have done, a, I think, a phenomenal job leveraging a lot of things to try to make it more conducive to booking on mobile. So, I mean, it, it's coming so, so yeah, Phil, you want to repeat your question? So why do you think that's happening? <laughs> For so many reasons. So many reasons. I mean, if, from an ADR perspective, if you think about it, that it's smaller purchase, you know, we're talking about probably a couple hundred dollars versus a couple thousand dollars, and it's a little less intimidating to book that on a phone. Hey, you don't have to be as discerning, right? You don't have to have as many conscious thoughts about where you're going to stay if it's only a couple hundred bucks versus a couple of thousand bucks there's definitely less intimidation and you know smaller purchases you know you're a little more whimsical about those but, but kind of going purchases. back to what you said earlier how many last minute bookings are based strictly on price and necessity so if yeah. you're you know lower price last minute mm-hmm. you know just find the lowest rate book it yeah go. there's a little more urgency yeah. there for sure and then we're doing some assumptions here roll with it for the time being but assuming that we're at a lower adr property it's possible that we're also attracting lower income guests than a higher adr property might and it's less likely that those lower income guests also have a laptop or a desktop or whatever a full size computer at home where they are attached to their phone yeah, that, we, we have definitely seen that correlation where it seems that lower income families that are staying at lower ADR properties 
have one computing device and that is their phone in, in the house. And then the, the other piece to that conversation, which kind of goes along with it, is you know, if you're a lower income family, potentially, and, and I hate to generalize, but it, it, it makes sense, right? If you're a lower income family, there's a, there's a higher probability that you're in a more of a blue collar than a white collar kind of a job, right? So the chances are you're not sitting at your desk in front of a computer all day, right? If you're a manual laborer or something like that, that you're not going to have that opportunity do, during the day to sit in front of a computer. You you have to rely on your phone to make those decisions. So, you know, whereas the, those of us fortunate enough to have a, a white collar job and sit in front of our computer, I you know, no one at Fuel would ever do this, but I would assume that some folks sit there on their lunch break, obviously, because they'd never do it, do it while they're on the clock, as, aspiring to travel and trying to do research on their upcoming vacation. But Nobody you know, would ever do that here. A white-collar yeah. person has more ability to do that than, than a blue-collar person. And, you know, the way economics are, you know, the lower socioeconomic you are, the more likely it probably is you don't have a white-collar job. So... I think there's a lot of factors, like we said, but the reality is, you know, the data doesn't lie. The data tells us, and, and we see this across the board, the lower your ADR, the higher likelihood you have of having a higher percentage of your bookings and your traffic and your revenue coming in from a mobile And it's device. not just a little discrepancy. Mm -hmm. It's a big discrepancy. Yeah. Big. I mean, we have properties in the same location like literally next door to each other yes. and the all and similar, you know, in some cases, similar amenities, you know? Um, but the only big difference is the ADR, which, which probably also is a reflection on the quality of the product as well. But the big difference being the rate in, in you see a huge discrepancy, even in some cases, part of the same management group. So right. that you know that, you know, the websites are very consistent you know that the marketing approach is very consistent. The only big difference that you can really put your finger on is, is the ADR. Yeah. You know? So if, if you're like a $1,000 a night ADR, I would expect you're, you're looking at 2020 or later for hitting this second mobile tipping point of bookings. But if, if you're you know in a, in a normal average ADR, I think there's a lot of things you could be doing today to help push more people through the funnel on mobile. And I think $1,000 a night ADR, someone's probably booking your room for you. <laughs> well, I think there's something else to be said as well is customers in general are going to be booking more on their phones. The question becomes, are they going to be booking your property with you or are they going to be booking your property or someone else's property with an OTA? But the guests are going to be booking and the guests will be tipping. Whether you do or not is that's kind of the, the choice that each individual hotelier has in their marketing. Yeah. So put, I mean, the chances are a lot of your competition aren't going to put that effort in. So you, hopefully, the fact you listen to the show, you're looking to improve your marketing. So, or you're just looking to get entertained and hear the latest update on bees from Pete. I'm not sure which, but let's assume it's the former. If that's the case, the what? <laughs> let's assume it's it's that you're listening for hotel tips. Um, what, what are some of the specific things? We like to give tangible takeaways from this show. So what are some specific things they could be doing today to help ensure that their mobile experience is where it needs to be? Number one, the most important, I think, is integration of the booking engine to your website in a very, very seamless fashion. 
Make sure it looks the same as your website. And if you don't know what we're talking about, please go listen to our awesome episode where we get on the phone and pretend that our call center is like our booking engine. (laughs) I don't remember what episode that was, but everybody should go re-listen to it. Well, here's a litmus test for that. Go to your hotel's property on your phone. Get to the booking engine. If you can tell that you left your website and went to another one's website, you're failing. That's what you have to fix. Immediately. So, so important. Yeah. And, and you know, we've seen this time and time again. When you have a very seamless inter- integration between your site and your booking engine, the entire checkout process, you absolutely see an improvement, not only on the desktop side, but you see a massive, massive improvement on the mobile side. When we switched from the old version of our booking engine, Guest S, to the new version, we saw in some cases a 100 plus percent increase in our mobile conversion rate because the guest had a completely seamless experience from entering on the homepage to leaving on the checkout page. I mean, aesthetically, as much as your URL remains the same, that, that right. right there just uh, screams right. like, oh, okay, it feels comfortable. Yeah, and you know, the biggest mistake I think when they're doing that integration to another booking engine is they open it in a new tab. It drives me nuts. Right. And that's bad enough on desktop, right? But at least on desktop, it's easy to navigate between tabs. It's not that easy to do it on mobile, especially if you're a layman, if you're not a technical person. You, you know, you, I hate multiple tabs. You have to make a conscious decision to click down at the very bottom right of your browser on an iPhone and, um, and then sell, swipe to get to the other tab. So do, opening in a new tab should never happen when you're keeping someone within your environment being your website and your booking engine. And it's especially dangerous on mobile because people aren't necessarily linear, right? In their booking process, they're not necessarily going from A to B to C to D. They might look at rates and then say, well, let me go back and look at the rooms. They, they want to go back and forward. So when you're in multiple tabs or you don't have the full navigation in your booking engine, like I get taking the navigation away, maybe on the credit card page, Right. Once you get to there. Yeah, I, I think that's Maybe, too. right? I think you could test it. But to take away all navigation except for a logo back to the homepage, as soon as someone gets into that booking process, really bad. is stupid. It's just plain right stupid. I feel like you're trying to piss them off and just send them to an Expedia or a booking. Or yeah. Th- yeah. Well, that's you, the you thing. Do that, right? And then you try to swap out, switch tabs. I've done it before where I've closed the primary tab that I was supposed to get to. And then you're just done. I'm like, oh, like done forget it. it. Yep. So next up uh, that hotels can do to make this better is to integrate some smarter search functionality. So when somebody does a room search, no matter what the outcome is, make sure it's not a dead end. So if you're out of availability on a room type, show them alternative rooms. Give them an availability calendar to show them what dates are available if the dates that they aren't available are not available. I don't know what I just said there, but you get the idea. <laughs> it's, it's the same concept of if your phone staff acted like your website. Exactly. The person says, you know, do you have availability? Nope. If you just say nope, and then wait for them to do something else, I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. Give, give, give your guests some options and some help along the way and just make sure that they are not forced to go look somewhere else because you've just left them at a dead end. Give them different room types, different dates, anything. Like anything that. other than, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that episode, I just looked it up. It was episode 70 when we did the what if you treat 
what if your call center treated your guests like your website does? And just for some laughs, go right ahead. Yeah, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we got a lot of feedback on that episode because it's so ridiculous. But um, it it hammers the point home. And I think both of these first two, I think it makes a good point. The, The search is so critical, right? People... They're trying to find something. So why would you ever run end them at a, a dead end, at a roadblock, right? So flexible dates, showing them what availability you do have, helping them make a decision with your property versus going somewhere else where there's a better search. It makes so much sense. And it's not tough today with Mm-mm. the technology that is out there. I mean, do you think that somebody who's searching to come in to arrive on a Sunday and leave Saturday absolutely needs to come in on Saturday and leave Saturday. 100% of your guests need that? Probably not. They could probably come in a day before and leave a day earlier, something like that. So if your restriction is you can't arrive on a Sunday because that's what our restrictions are, then show them, hey, you could come a day earlier instead. Right, exactly. At the end of the day, you have the holy grail of what anybody wants who's selling anything. You have a customer holding money in their hand trying to give it to you. Find a way to make sure they can give you that money. Why do you hate money so much, Pete? That's, Mr. Wonderful asks that question all the time. He, to you specifically? He says, Pete. I think he does. I don't know if he knows it, but he does. He's speaking directly <laughs> to you through the TV. You look so genuine when you said that. I love it. I wish you would have seen his face. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what's the next one? Uh, next one is using streamlined forms. Making the form portion of the booking process as easy as possible. And that means, you know, for, for return guests, auto-filling forms. But it also means you know, something as simple as if someone enters a zip code, you can fill out the rest of it. Or someone enters a city, you can start filling out portions of that form. It's just, you know, the ease of the use of the forms, especially on mobile, makes someone much more likely to book. And this is a great place to always be testing and you could test to see what the best variation of your form is. Is it one page or is it two small pages? You know what? It's going to be different for every hotel and we're not going to come out and say one works better than the other. It's definitely something. Seven pages is the optimal. Definitely best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think you're right because I think we've found different properties that works differently. You know, one of the things we've recently um, been doing on the booking engine on guest desk is when someone starts typing an address it does a full-on lookup so if i took typed in 3023 church street it's going to know i'm in model beach it's going to pre-populate the all of the city state zip stuff kind of like you were saying phil so that's key the other is payment you know one of the advantages the otas have if especially because they're going big in this loyalty direction where people have a login and they try to get everyone that books to create a login once you've got a login and they store in your payment information, just like Amazon, it's so much easier when I don't have to put in my credit card information every time I book. But but also beyond that, offering options, offering Apple Pay, offering PayPal, offering choices for someone to make a streamlined, quick booking with as few clicks and types as possible. Amen. Yeah, especially on mobile because people are lazy and they don't want to type 16 digits. I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting on the couch mm-hmm ready to purchase something and stupid me has my wallet in the kitchen i'm like do i really have to go get up and get my damn wallet yeah that's why i memorized my 16 digits a long time ago so, it's rough. so i don't have to do that you memorize your entire credit card 16 numbers dude i mean how many times have you had to type that in somewhere half the time I, 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 don't, I can't remember mine either i have to look it up every time I but, but I'm, CDV, I'm like you melissa that's three numbers i'm like yeah 
That's the part I don't know. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I know that because I can look at my credit card having to take it out of my wallet. Does it sound like a clear thing? Um, mm. See, I know my mm. CVV because it's a lucky number, but y'all never find oh. out. Do you want to tell us what it is? Hold on. Let me get my pen out. We talked about lucky numbers last time. We, we did. Do you you weren't here, Phil. Do you have a lucky number? I'm not well, going to tell you now. Tell us now. <laughs> Man. Four and the last four of your way. social? <laughs> One, two, three, four. Wait, your lucky number is three digits? <laughs> That's weird. It's partially. Okay. Quit right. pressing me, Stuart. Because that's millions of people. Dude, okay? I want to steal. I want to steal all your money. As does the audience. He just bought a house. He probably doesn't have I a have whole nothing. lot. Nothing. This is true. Yeah. He steal, oh, steal your debt. One hundred percent of nothing. <laughs> all right. So what's next? Oh. Number four. Use psychology like four, 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 a boss. We talked about this in episode sixty-nine about psychology hacks in depth. There's so many different things you can do to push urgency, you know, saying that X amount of people booked this room in the last 24 hours or quantity is limited or whatever the case might be. There's so many things you can do during this booking process to push people further down the funnel. Yeah, go listen to episode 69. I don't want to, you know, rehash what we've already talked about and written countless blogs on, but, you know, social proof, urgency, there's a lot of different things you can use. When we talk about reducing friction in the booking process especially on mobile when people have a limited time you know google is big on this micro moments where you're doing mobile stuff in between other things and you have these little moments of inspiration you have a very limited time the two ways to reduce friction one is um well in in physics right i did a physics degree so we talked about lubrication to of the surface i don't that's a weird word to use because it has all kinds of connotations. But you you kind of lubricate or reduce the, the friction of contact between the two things. In our case, all the, th- the other things we talked about. So improving the search forms and, and stuff like that, right? That's, that's the lubrication. Bear with me. The other thing you can do to reduce friction is put make things move faster through, right? And the way you can make things move faster through the funnel is by putting forward pressure on it right in this case the psychology getting people to understand that if they don't do this they're going to miss out giving them fear giving them reassurance giving them all these psychology things is going to put that that forward pressure so you're doing this one-two punch to reduce friction and that's what's going to get people through the conversion funnel and phil are you about to crack up because i said lubrication four times you're killing me over there you're like four years old talking about pressure lubrication come on dude this is a pg-13 show man come on bring it back all right yeah so reduce friction through lubrication and pressure okay and go to episode 69 yeah so whoa You know what's interesting is the two we've referenced today was episode 69 and 70. So we were on like a really good roll back then. That was like probably the peak of this podcast. Like we've been downhill ever since then. They were two really good episodes. I'm just kidding. I have tears in my eyes with the jokes that I wanted to make. You're like a child, dude. Like a child. Such a child. It's okay. Yeah. Inappropriate. Okay. So that's that's it. That's the second mobile tipping point. Hopefully you guys... Uh, paying attention to mobile you, you've got a great mobile experience your website is great your your booking engine is great but you know it, you can always do more on mobile and uh you know if you want to hear me completely repeat everything we've said today and you're in, at the hsmai conference next week in new york you can come um, i think i'm speaking in the afternoon session um but yeah do we have any uh 
of our little wishes from our we listeners. do still have some wishes to go through so if you're just tuning in for the first time back uh, towards the beginning of the year uh, we had asked a bunch of the folks that listen to this and our clients and people we respect in the industry if they had a wish for 2018 related to hotel marketing what would it be so you know we read out a bunch one of the episodes and then ever since then we've been doing one or two a week just to kind of fill up space i guess and make, <laughs> make the episode last a little longer no because it's great content so who was next on our wishes list is anna bowers is next on our wishes lists lists i can't speak it's easy anymore. for you to say that uh, and she says my snarky response <laughs> i love that people start these yeah, there was a lot of sarcasticness yes. from these things. My snarky response would have to be the elimination of all TA, all all OTAs, but we <laughs> both know that will never happen. That being said, I would love to see the amount of paper eliminated at check-in. I'm sure other properties have solutions to get rid of the paper stack that is handed out at check-in. Parking pass, property maps, room keys, discount cards, etc. We tout ourselves as being green but we give each one of our guests these bulky packets filled with papers when they check in. Most of our market is a drive market and it seems to be something that could be downloaded by John Smith on the trip down while his wife is at the wheel. Maybe our guest isn't savvy enough for this. Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I mean, not only is it you, that you're handing out a ton of stuff, but it's a process, right? For a lot of properties, they're filling out a registration card. Um, you know, they might have to put in the names of the people in the property they might have to give a, a license plate number which you know no one knows what their license plate number is so they have to go back out and look so fortunately for anna she's she is one of our clients they, they were using guest desk they're about to launch um we also mentioned earlier we have this mobile app product called guest express which does exactly what she's saying right it replaces the need for someone to come and check in but also all the information that used to be in that welcome packet is in the app including you're gonna be able to use the app to open the doors too so that's so awesome hey anna we 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 just granted your wish call us a gene i like the bottom wish that she had she also wants an unlimited budget and an inside track to how the powers that be with Google think and would also be highly beneficial. That she one we cannot, <laughs> cannot grant that wish. Me too, Anna. I want to know how Google thinks. Yeah, that would be good. So she was thinking, she, she kind of gamed the system there. She had like 700 wishes in, in, <laughs> in one. We appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Anna. And uh, hopefully we will grant your wish here pretty soon as we launch Guest Express for you. And if you want to have the same wish granted that Anna did, then you can check out our app at guestexpress.com. So I think that's that's a good episode. That's a wrap. And uh, again, you can get the show notes at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 78. Uh, you can come see us at HSMAI next week in New York on the 20th, 21st, 22nd. Um, we're going to be helping with the This Week in Hospitality Digital Marketing folks who are going to be doing live interviews right outside of the main event hall. So I'll be there uh, interviewing folks as well. So come say hello. And uh, don't forget, you can also still participate. It's it's about to end, but you can still, uh, this week is the last chance you'll have to participate in our survey for technology in the hospitality industry. You can go take that st survey at fueltravel.com slash tech so it's fueltravel.com slash t-e-c-h and uh pete where can they get you on twitter and ask you all kinds of b questions they should ask me all kinds of b questions because i've got answers but they can find me at p de mayo p d i m 
AIO. Melissa, if they want to know about clarinets and um, soggy, what was it? Leaky pads. Leaky pads, not soggy pads. Not, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> okay. They want to learn about leaky pads and clarinets. Where can they I am on Twitter at M A Kavanaugh, M A K V A N A G H. I had to think about that. And Philip. You can find me on Twitter at P Fariska, P F O R I S K A. And what can I ask you on Twitter? Ask me anything. AMA. Let's do it. <laughs> you can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. You can get me at Stuart Butler on Twitter. And again, show notes, fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 78. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm testing my voice. It works. Test two. <laughs> <laughs>